Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. I receive it because I believe it. Get an amen with that? How have you received what you're praying for? I believe it. Believe it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Whatever you're hoping for. It starts with faith. That's where the answer begins. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's right. You don't need a preacher in this church. You can preach yourself. Amen. Praise the Lord. You got something to say? But I have to praise him for a miracle he has worked in my life this week. And a miracle I'm expecting on the 30th of this month. But in 1992, I was in an accident. And at the time, they found no damage. But as the years have rolled by, arthritis set up in my back. It has gotten continually worse. There were days that I just sat down and cried because it hurt so bad. I had prayed, I had prayed, I had quoted God's scriptures, which he already knew. But, and I did everything I knew to do. But yet, I always told him, God, you're the only one that can handle this. For the last two days, I have not had one pain Praise in my Lord. back. Amen, amen. He can handle And after it. all those years... God is faithful. Yes, he is. But I have yes, to ask my quest, myself the question, as I, am I as faithful to my covenant with God, what I promised him, what I said I would do? Have I been as faithful to God as God has been to me? And I find myself lacking <laughs> You know, I can speak to that, and I will. No matter how unfaithful we may be, God will always be faithful. It doesn't sound very profound, but I'm telling you, you can live by that. I thank God that He is always faithful, even when I'm not. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'm so glad you're here today. We've been busy here at the church uh, for this week, and next week is going to be one of the busiest weeks of the year for us. Fair parking has, for the last two nights, we have filled up our parking lot, I know, to the max, over, over the max. And, you know, the scripture says, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. 
Every person that's going to this rodeo that's parking in our parking lot, they have no idea they're supporting missionaries from our church. I love it. I love it. Spend your money at the fair. Just park in our lot, and we're going to support missions around the world. If you haven't signed up, do that. We're going to need a little bit of help next weekend. Hopefully, we're we're praying for rain, but only on Monday and Tuesday. Okay? We, We park again tonight. So if you've signed up for tonight, be, be up here. Uh, they're lining, I don't know what it is. They're lining up at our, at our driveway to get in before the cones are even ready. And they're bypassing other parts. They're coming here. I'm like, I don't know. Just, Lord, keep it coming. So God is doing a great thing. And uh, here, here's how this works. I believe, and, and I don't know if Les is in here, but he can correct me. Each night, I believe, we, we raise around, it's about $1,500 a night. $2,500 a night. There you go. That's $5,000 for missions in two days. You want to be a part of that. Be a part of that. Be a part of that. Another thing is next weekend is probably the busiest weekend of our entire year. We, we knew that it would be busy and be booked, but next weekend is our family weekend. And here's what we're asking you to do. Next, next weekend is going to be totally different than what we've, we're used to. Saturday night, we're still going to be parking cars, but Saturday evening at 5 o'clock, we're having a special kids service. When I was growing up, they were called kids crusades, but this is something new. It's jam weekend because... Pastor Chris said, it can't be a kid's crusade, Pastor. That's too old school. I'm like, okay. So it's jam weekend. I'm like, do I need to bring my jelly jars? You know, or what, what am I doing? The kids evangelists will be coming on Friday, or on Saturday night, 5 o'clock. We're going to have a one-hour service, especially for the kids. You can read all about that. I think we've got a slide back there of, of what's going on. You can see all of that information. If you want to take some more of those cards and invite kids, kids that bring the bring the most friends they have more tickets to put in the jar we're going to give away a nintendo i noticed on facebook on our web book our facebook last night that somebody had asked a question is the gospel going to be preached i personally responded to that one said absolutely that's the only reason why we're putting ourselves through all this trouble is so the gospel can be preached we don't need to just go have a good time together as much as I enjoy you. We want people to hear about the message that Jesus loves them, especially kids. And so we're targeting our children. And then next Sunday morning, I want you to round up as many friends as you can to get to just come with you. Let's pack this place out. Bring all of your kids, all of your neighbor's kids, all of the neighbor's kids' friends. Just bring them, pack them all in your car. Bring them here, and Sunday morning, we're going to have a special kid service. That's all it's going to be, all morning long. The worship is going to be geared that way for kids and families. So you say, well, it's just going to be, you know, they're going to be singing kiss. No, no, no. It's family-encompassing. You say, well, I don't have kids. It's family. And as far as I can tell, we are the family of God. So come be a part of the family. We're going to celebrate next Sunday. I told you it was busy. Because Sunday after church, everybody's going to bring a potluck dish. You're going to bring something to eat for you and for, your, and for somebody else. Uh, you don't have to bring tons of stuff. You can read about that in the program. That'll be after church. We're going to hang out here. We'll have water slides and all kinds of games. It's just going to be like an after church picnic. Invite everybody to come with you. Just bring enough food for you and whoever's coming with you. 
and we're going to have a great time. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a busy, busy weekend. That, that Saturday morning, there's also a wedding shower that's taking place. And uh, it's a person that I'm very acquainted with and familiar with. Sydney and Johnny will have their wedding shower next Saturday morning at 10.30. Is that correct? 10.30. And so uh, next week is going to be a very busy week. So be a part of it. It's, this is family business. And so be a part of it. It's a wonderful thing. Amen. Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles out this morning. You're going to be turning to several places of Scripture. Thank you, Daniel, for your help with us this morning. I want you to first turn to Psalm 127. And as you're going over to Psalm, you can also mark, put your finger or your neighbor's finger in Matthew chapter 7. Those are the first couple of places that I want you to go. I focused a lot this this month on families. I believe that we have to start building stronger families, especially in the church. Somebody say amen. I heard one piece one pastor say families are like a plate of fudge. They're mostly sweet, sweet, but they've got a few nuts in them. Now that may be the case. If you're laughing and you can't think of the nuts in your family, maybe you are the nut in your family, all right? If you're having a hard time figuring that out. I can pinpoint some of you already. I know who that is. But the family unit, and you know this, the family unit has been under siege for quite some time. And the reason why, I believe, is because the family was God's original creation. And anytime God creates something original, Satan wants to attack the original. Always. It always happens. And because of all of these attacks and sin's effects, there's a plethora of harms and challenges that have confronted the modern family today. As I thought about this, I told Shannon just on the way to church this morning, I said, you know, I've got so much that I want to say, but I'm going to make it as brief as possible because how do you cover building strong families. My heart goes out to so many because let me just tell you my position. In this room, there are people in this room who are married and there are people in this room who have been divorced. There's people in this room who, have, who are on their second marriage and there are people in this room who've never been married. There's people in this room who have children and have kids and there's people who have kids who wish they didn't have kids. Just kidding. There are some people in this room who grew up with both parents in the home, and there are some people in this room who grew up and they and you, who who now they don't you don't even know who your father is, and you have broken relationships with the rest of your family. And all of you sit here with different perspectives, and different thoughts, and different ideas about what a family is, different feelings about family. And let me tell you something: I can stand up here and talk about faith, and I can talk about heaven. And I can talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can talk about salvation through Jesus Christ. And it evokes certain feelings. But when I talk about family, it gets really, really personal. Because you put names on that. Faith is faith. But when you say, hey, there's a problem in the family, you can put Bob's name on top of that one. Or whoever. And so it becomes very personal. But I do believe, I do believe this. That one of the reasons why you are in this church today is because it feels like family. You know people's names here? 
We're not that big. You've met people who have a genuine interest in your life. You've met people who have a genuine interest in the life of your family and they don't even know them. You're in a place today where you can love and you can be loved just exactly how you are, that you walked into the door with the bruises and the scars that life has laid upon you and you can still be loved right here in this place. And it's because of the love of God. That makes us family. When you look across this family, we're pretty diverse. We're young, we're old. Some skin darker than others. Some hair is lighter than others. Some actually still have hair. But this morning, I want to do something. I want to go back and I want us to look at that original foundation of how God originally built families. I want you to know this this morning. It's not too late for anybody in this room to begin today to build a strong family. You say, well, Pastor, I'm in my... I'm 75 and I have no interest in going back to visit those family days. Let me tell you, your influence and your input around people who are beginning families is absolutely essential. Those of you who have lived your life and you've made mistakes and relationships have been broken, maybe you are here today and you have broken relationships even with your children, today is a good day to begin. If your parents aren't saved, if your kids aren't saved, today is a good day to start and say, you know what, Lord, whatever it takes, help me to build a strong family. Don't be discouraged by all of the, tra- the, the, the challenges that, that you may face. Understand this. God's desire for you and I is to see strong families in the church and in this world. And if you're going to do that, you have to answer three questions. And here's the first question you have to ask. If I'm going to build a strong home, first question is who is going to build it? Who's going to build this home? There's got to be somebody in charge. There has to be someone who has the blueprints and the original design. If you build a house, there are a set of blueprints. Unless you're going to just, you know, shoot from the hip. Just don't invite me over for dinner. When you build a house, you have to have a set of blueprints, a design. You have to know who's going to be in charge to make sure the design and the blueprints turn into reality in Bricks and mortar. Who's going to do that? Psalm 127 verse 1 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house. Say that with me. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Friends, that's why it's so discouraging sometimes trying to make family work and make homework because we try to take over the job that only God can do. And it frustrates us and we build in vain because unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. You can start off really good sometimes in marriage. You can get a man. It's all all those warm fuzzies. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is great, but unless you start with the right builder, you're building your marriage or you're building your home in vain. If you're not building your children's, uh, allowing God to build your children, and you're trying to do that, you're building in vain. Every home needs a kitchen. Every home needs a living area. Every home needs a bedroom. But if you have the wrong designer, the kitchen and the living room can end up in the wrong place. Where the kitchen is empty 
and the living room is filled with people that are staring at a device having no communication with one another. Where there is supposed to be one bedroom, if you get the wrong designer, one bedroom can end up in two bedrooms with one bed. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Without this master designer, you'll make your home unlivable. The second question that you have to answer is you have to answer where are you going to build your home? Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' words, in his own, his own words, he says, Therefore, verse 24, whoever or everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against this house. Yet it did not fall because it had foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like is like one who hears these words is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. Now God has given us the design, but it's our option and our choice to, to, to be able to put that design wherever we want to. Where you build the house, where you're going to build the house is a question that you have to answer. Not just who's going to build it, but where you build your house. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you, listen to me, families. It doesn't matter how much fun or excitement or vacations or energy or trips or money that you pour into your home. If you aren't building upon the foundation of Christ and his word, you are building on sinking sand. Shifting sand, shifting truth. You have to start with Christ. I've taught in marriage counseling, I don't know how long, for 20 plus, 25 plus years, that, that a home is like a triangle. You've got spouse here and spouse here, and they're not trying to go together this way because they're trying to pull one another. You can't change your spouse, but the only way that you can do it is it's like this triangle where you have Jesus on the top. And if you'll notice, as both spouses move toward Jesus, they become closer together. That is the growth factor of a, of a marriage. It's the growth factor of a family. You take that and you put the kids all around it. If you can teach your kids to grow closer to Jesus Christ and to know His Word, you'll have a better relationship with your children. If you and your spouse can learn how to pray together, my friend, you will learn how to stay together because you've built your your home upon solid, sound foundations. The rock. So where you build is important. And then the third question you have to answer, which is where I'm going to spend my time, is... What materials are you going to use to build your home with? What are you going to use? Now, a lot of times what happens is we understand those first two, but practically we don't know how to do the rest. I've tried to be very practical. Last week I was very practical. I'm going to be very, very practical this week. I want to give you not just the Word of God so that you can go mull over it. I want to give you some practical understanding of how do we build our homes in 2022 in this culture that's so filled with perversion and and decadence. How do we build a godly home? Let me just start with this and say this to every person in this room who is of marrying age or married 
The greatest gift you can give your children is a strong marriage. It's not money. It's not that scholarship that you're pushing them toward. It's not that school. It's not what... The greatest gift that you can give anyone in your family is that strong bond. Strong families begin with strong marriages. Always. Always. You see, according to the American Family Association... There are three top reasons why divorce occurs in our country. And I'm going to talk about those. I'm going to talk about two of the three today. The first one is infidelity. Adultery. The second is financial trouble. And the third is poor communication. I'm going to talk about two of the three quickly this morning. I'm not going to talk about the second one because if you want to know more about that, I'd just encourage you to go find Dave Ramsey's books. That's a pretty good way to do it. Let Dave Ramsey encourage you and teach you how to manage your finances. But I do want to talk about the first one and the third one. The first one is infidelity. So I was talking to Shannon about this message. She said, you're not going to spend a whole morning preaching on adultery, are you? I was like, well, I'm going to address the issue. I'll start by just saying this. How many of you are married right now in the room? Raise your hand. You're married. Put your hands down. How many of you hope to someday be married to the love of your life? Raise your hand. You're not married now. You hope to be... Come on now. Y'all are the bachelor. There you go. Raise your hand. Loud and proud. Raise your hand. You want to be married one day to the love of your life. Absolutely. How many of you in this room want to someday ruin your entire marriage and family by committing adultery. Raise your hand right now. You want to ruin your life. Commit adultery. Cheat on your wife. Cheat on your husband. A lot of people see this and they say, oh, that's just something that happens. And let me tell you something. You never plan on that to happen. But here's the reality. 20% of all men in America have cheated on their spouse. 14% of women that are married have cheated on their spouse. And what it does is it compiles together to be 40% of the reason of all divorces, 40% of all divorces involve infidelity in the marriage. Now that's significant. Two out of every ten men Four out of every ten marriages that have failed have resulted from infidelity. I figure if we're close to 50%, I had better address it. Why does this happen? Nobody plans on it. Let me just tell you why. Because John 10.10 says, The thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is why Satan comes against the family so much. That is why he lays things in front of your life so much. That is why he wants to wreck your life. And he does it not with a frontal assault. Satan never comes through the front door. He always comes around the side. He always goes to the back door and checks and makes sure it's locked. And here's how infidelity occurs. If you're not married, I want you to take notes because you need to make sure that you're aware of this before you're married. Infidelity in a marriage occurs... In a small step-by-step process, it begins 
with as simple and and, an innocuous thing as watching shows that promote extramarital affairs. Now, how many of those are out there? I'd say probably almost all of them. Any show that you watch that's got people, these dating shows and the Bachelorette and all this kind of stuff, I don't know, I've never watched that show, but these shows that promote these, and and it it makes... it makes intimacy outside of marriage no big deal. That's just how things work. People get to know each other. They sleep together. They see if it's going to work. You know, they decide, you know, or they just live together. Nobody's married. And really what happens, it's that step where you say, you know what? Is this really bad for me to watch? Step one. Then what happens is you wake up one day and you say, you know what, my spouse, you know what, they're, they're just not exactly everything that I've hoped for. And, I, and I'm kind of dissatisfied. And you lay there in bed and you mull that over and you ask another question. You say, you know, is it wrong for me to really be honest with myself? Is it wrong for me to be dissatisfied in my home? Step. And then all of a sudden, you go to work. And you see somebody at work that you really enjoy being around and you ask yourself, you know what? Is it wrong for me just to enjoy people outside my home? Step. And then all of a sudden you become uh, emotionally attached and you begin to anticipate. Man, you jump up and you begin to you know, uh, look forward to that meeting to, with that other person and you become emotionally engaged. Step. Until finally... Step by step, every small inch of the way, you're sabotaging your, life, your, your, your marriage because it's moving in a slow, steady process. That's how infidelity occurs in our marriages. It's not that you wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to cheat on my wife. I'm going to cheat on my, on my husband. It's because we slowly begin to make steps and ask questions, just like what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. Has God really said? Did God really mean that? Is that really that bad? And that's how it comes. That's how Satan works. That's his modus operandi. He works in those small back door, side door ways. There are five really ways if you want to ruin your marriage. I'm going to teach you how to ruin your marriage, but I'm only going to give you one. There's really five. I came up with five. But if you want to ruin your marriage and commit adultery, I'm going to give you the number one way that you can do that. All right? If you're taking notes and you're ready to commit adultery, I'm going to give you number one. Hope you be. I hope you understand I'm being very sarcastic, but I'm going to teach you something this morning. If you want to ruin your marriage, first thing you need to do, the big one, is neglect it. Just neglect it. Here's how you do that. Stop bringing your best home to your spouse. Now, I told you I was going to get very practical. Stop bringing your best to your Don't worry about, about trying to catch your spouse's eye. Just let yourself go. Don't take pride in yourself anymore. Just kick your shoes off where you want to. Smell the way you want to. Guys. Don't wear that deodorant. It don't matter. Take your spouse completely for granted. Forget your manners. 
just belch and do all kinds of other things that you would never do with anybody else, but in front of your spouse, just assume they're going to ignore it. Am I with you? Are you with me? Look for something outside of your... You're, we're neglecting it. Remember, I'm, giving you the, I'm teaching you how to do this, how to ruin your marriage. Neglect your marriage by looking for something outside of your marriage that's going to consume all of your time and all of your energy, whether it's your business, whether it's a hobby. It might even be as innocuous as your children and your kids. Spend all your time with your kids and forget your spouse. Spend as little time as possible with your spouse. And here's, here's just the last few things. Avoid all intimacy. That means talk as little as possible. Share your life as little as possible. And absolutely do not listen to what they have to say. Just start neglecting your home. And then what you'll do, if you want to ruin your marriage and ruin your home... Just go outside and start developing this emotional attachment to somebody else. Flirt a little if you want to. Just don't make it too obvious. And then rationalize it away and say, you know what? God wants me to be happy, doesn't He? I'm supposed to enjoy my life. I want to take you now how to keep from ruining your home. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but I'm going to cover several verses. Solomon writes in Proverbs. Now, I want you to think about who Solomon is. He's the wisest man who's ever walked the planet. And he writes and he covers... All types of things. Solomon talks about uh, everything from money. He talks about uh, uh, business. He talks about life. He talks about all types of different things uh, for, for people and gives instructions to his son. But he says this in Proverbs chapter 5. Verse 8 through 10 says, I want you to keep a path far from her. He addresses in Proverbs 5 the idea of infidelity and adultery. And he's talking to his son who is, who is uh, either married or some of his sons that weren't married. And this is what he says in verse 8. He says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel, lest strangers feast on your wealth and their toil enrich another man's house. Here's how you avoid from ruining your life and ruining your family, and you avoid infidelity and adultery. Number one, you reduce radically the risks of adultery. Radically reduce it. Solomon says, stay far away from her house. Stay far away from her house. Here's the question people ask. Well, where is the line, Pastor? At what point? Where is the line? Is the line, you know, when there's physical contact? Absolutely not. What does Jesus say? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, 28 says this. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, can we say man too? Anyone who looks lustfully has already committed adultery with her in their heart. 
You see, people in the world today, they think, oh, well, the physical contact, that's where the line gets crossed. No, my friend. Jesus said the line gets crossed right here. For those that begin to think, look, it doesn't start with the physical act. It starts with our eyes, our thoughts, and our heart. That's where adultery begins. It can begin in front of a computer. It can begin with a text. It can begin with an email or a phone conversation or gathering around the water cooler. It can begin right there. Our eyes, our thoughts, and our heart become involved and we have crossed the line. A great test to take is this. If God were to allow the Holy Spirit to have a video recorder and He followed you around, if you were married, and He followed you around, all day long, and he was able to record every thought that you had. And he took that video recorder and he showed your spouse how proud would you be? If you're single today and you're sitting here and thinking, man, this, this message ain't for me, man, I'm sliding through this. and Stop right there. If the Holy Spirit were to do the same thing as a single adult in your life and He were to record every thought, every, every idea that you might have about somebody else and He recorded that and He kept that until you met your future spouse and the day before your wedding, they showed that video to your future spouse, how proud would you be? You see, even as a single person, you are preparing yourself for what I'm talking about today. Whether you've been divorced or whether you are a widow or widower, you know how important it is to guard our hearts, our eyes, our, our minds, because that's where it all begins. Solomon said, stay far away. Let me just give you some practical ideas of how to do that. First of all, and these are things that I have established in my life that Shannon and I have talked about for years Being in ministry, I mean, how many times have we seen the preachers hit the tank on this kind of stuff, right? And I don't have to discuss that. You guys know it. You can put names to it. And a long time ago, we said, look, we've got to be cautious about this kind of stuff. Practical things that I do in my own life, first of all, is I keep growing in my relationship with Jesus. Remember the trial? If I can keep moving toward Jesus, let me tell you, I'm not going to have as much thought towards somebody else because my mind is stayed upon Him. I bring every thought captive, as Paul says. Romans 12, 12 tells us that, I, that I'm constantly being renewed. My mind is being renewed constantly over and over by the Word of God. So I'm always... Focusing upon Jesus and living by the Spirit. This is the important part. Let me tell you something. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so that you can continue to serve God to your fullest. Not a 50% kind of a love. Not a 25 or a 70 or 95. Love Him with all of your being so that He overflows in your life. Just a practical thing. The second thing that I do practically is I never am alone with the wrong people. I mean, that sounds very simple. Let me tell you something. It can happen really quick. I would never spend time alone with another woman besides my wife. It works on the other hand. Ladies, don't be at the coffee shop with some other guy, even if it's a work companion and you're sitting at a table together. What if I walked in? What the? That's what I'm going to say. What is going on here? Who bought coffee? 
Never be alone with the wrong person. It may be innocent, but let me tell you something. Other people may not see it that way. Never talk badly about your marriage with the wrong people. That's one thing that you just shouldn't do. Guys, ladies, if you're talking down your spouse at work or with friends, you are crossing the line. Work that out with the Lord. You're crossing the line. Surround yourself with strong marriages. This is one of the things that we do. Strong marriages produce strong marriages. Find other people who live a godly life and they have a strong home. Don't go get marital advice from somebody who's been divorced five times. Don't hang out at the bar or go hang out with a bunch of co-eds at UNT in order to find out what you need to do to have a strong home. That's going to come from people that you can watch, and they say, man, they've got a strong marriage. What do I need to learn from them? Those are the people you need to be learning from. Some of us grew up with a home that I had two godly parents, and they're still married after 50-something years. My grandparents celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary a year ago. 70 years. You know what? I'm blessed. I've seen that example all of my life of what it's like to stay married and what it, how you get through that. And I pray that that goes for me and my children, that they watch the strong families and they see and take notes, figure out how to do it. Invest in your marriage because infidelity can come whenever you start looking over the fence and the grass looks a little greener over there. Here's the answer to that problem. When the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, it's time to start watering your own lawn. Start watering your own grass. Invest in your marriage. So don't neglect it. If you will begin to invest in your marriage, it takes time. And guys, it takes a little bit of money. You might have to go out on that date. You might have to go on that vacation. You say, well, we ain't got any. Well, let me just tell you what. Our marriage has lasted the test of time so far. And the first date we went on, we went to Sonic, and I didn't even have my wallet in the car. I scrounged for change beneath the seats of my car to pay for the 14-cent styrofoam cup that they brought the water in. She looked at me, and I looked at her, and I said, but it stuck. as the best 14-cent investment I have ever made in my life. Let's talk about that third thing, communication. I tried to think of a way that I could do this. Let me just get it right here. I'm going to probably make a big mess. I want to introduce you to two people in church that you probably haven't met. Mr. and Mrs. Mug. She's beautiful. She's not mugly. Don't want any more dad jokes. Just see me after church. They're both in their 20s. He's a successful businessman or successfully graduated college. 
She is a knockout. Look how slender she is. Beautiful. Gorgeous. And they meet, and it is love at first sight. They sit down over coffee or a nice cola. And they talk, and they share, and they just have a wonderful, wonderful time together. They spend, they spend their time together until suddenly Mr. Muggs finally says, you know what, I'm going to do it. And he asks this beautiful, slender mug, would you like to be my wife? And she says, yes. And so they get married, and Mr. and Mrs. Mug go off on their honeymoon, and then they come back to the real world. Bills, job, commuting. He comes in one day after a long day of work, and he's been at it. He's wore out. And she comes in because she's working that job too, and they both come in, and that first... Give zone. I'm just going to teach you something. The first 90 seconds after a spouse has been apart, those first 90 seconds, usually when you come home from work, that first 90 seconds sets the tone for the rest of the day in that home. 90 seconds. So guys, let me tell you something. When you walk in and you kick your boots off, you've got a minute and a half to kick a field goal. Because you can kick a field goal in the first quarter, but you might score a touchdown in the fourth. I'm just saying. Yeah, y'all can snicker. It's okay. Talking about relationships here. For married folks. That 90 seconds that takes them, they come in and, and Mr. Mug comes and he's expecting her to say, Oh, honey, I have missed you. It's so good to see you. Dinner is on the stove. But instead, that's not what happens. And they end up kind of tearing into one another. And the one that they were so beautiful, everything was so perfect. And all of a sudden, there's a little bump. A bump. And they look at each other and they say, whoa, where did that come from? If you wouldn't have, have spoke to me like that when I got home... I wouldn't have said what I said. And she's like, if you would be a little bit more respectful and grateful for everything that I've had, and all of a sudden, I can't believe you said that. And the day goes on. He goes to the garage, tinkers around, and she goes and takes a long bath, hoping that time's just going to put it behind him. And then they come out and all of a sudden they meet in the kitchen swing open the door i can't believe you actually said that and more comes out and they point at one another and they say i can't believe that's coming out of you look what you caused to come out of me look what you did to make me say what i said and it's just coming out. And now it's just more is coming out and more is coming out over and over. Mr. and Mrs. Mungie was just so happy. 
and they look at one another and say, I can't believe all this is coming. Look at this mess that we have created. And it's your fault. Because if you wouldn't have bumped me, that wouldn't have come out of me. Here's the principle I want you to understand about relationships and about your marriage and about you. This is profound. Are you ready? The reason why those beads came out of this jars, these mugs, is because that is what was in the mugs. Now stop and think about that. The reason why it came out of him is because that's what's in him. That's what's in her. She can't blame him for what's in her. He can't blame her for what's in him. The reason why that's what came out is because that is what is in her. That's the problem that most marriages end up. The stuff that comes out of us when we keep bumping each other, we want to say it's because of you. No, friends, listen, it's because whatever comes out of us is what is already in us. Now, that's that's a powerful principle for communication. Here's where I want you to take it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, why would Solomon, the wisest man who's ever lived, who talks about all types of things from from, from you know, telling his kids, why would he say, Lord, more, than, more important than money or integrity or relationships or kings or works or sex or old age or anything, that the most important thing above all else, he says, guard your heart. Why is that? Because he knows that whatever is in you will come out. All of us have stuff in us. There's a second part of that. All of us blame the other person for most of the stuff that comes out of us. Let's be honest. We want to blame the other person. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have cheated if you had have. I wouldn't have said that if you would have. You see? And we blame everybody else for the stuff That's coming out of us. So what we have to do is we have to learn to guard our heart because the second part of that verse is because from it comes the wellspring of life. If you want to kill your home, let your heart not be guarded or protected. The reason why this happens... There's several reasons, but one of the main reasons is this, and I'm just going to do this and then I'm going to close. The reason why that happens is because we attach our feelings to our spouse's behaviors. And so what we do is we want to feel a certain way, and when our wife or our husband is acting a certain way, it creates feelings in us that we enjoy. And so if, we, if, if they continue to act that way, it 
it causes those feelings to be to be good and we enjoy those things. But what can happen is if the spouse does not act in a certain way, we lose those feelings and we try to make the spouse responsible for our own happiness. We blame the spouse for the feelings that we are have. Let me tell you something. We have to be responsible for our hearts. Your spouse is going to hurt you at times. They're going to wound you. They're going to say something, do something that is going to cause feelings that you are not pleasant with. So what do you do? You have to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. Now, how do you do that? You do that by allowing, first of all, Christ to fill your heart. No matter where you are in your relationship with your spouse, you can always be in the same place with your relationship with God. You can always have a heart that's filled with the joy of the Lord no matter what's going on. And let me tell you something. It may, there may not be a smile on your face, but you can still have a full heart full of the joy and the guidance of the Lord. Shannon and I don't walk around our house like this all the time. There are times when we walk by each other and we're like, Hi, honey. But in our hearts, we have guarded ourselves. We've protected our... We don't allow things to happen to us that would take root in our heart that would spring forth a bitter fountain. You have to protect your heart. You have to watch over your heart. And if there's anything that I can tell you as a couple in, in, in building a strong marriage, or if you're not married and you're going to be married, or you're hoping to be married sometime in the future, is you have to have a heart that is ready to, to receive that spouse with the love of Christ. That, that, that just pursuant. There's so much more that I could say about this, but let me tell you something. If your heart is full of Jesus, you will not be wounded by anybody because there is nothing that anybody can do to take that away from you to take the love of god from you the joy of the lord from you your hope is not in your behavior of your spouse your hope is in jesus christ and that should always give you the smile whether it's on your face or in your heart you can always understand that daniel would you come there's so much more that I'd just like to say, but I've warned you of something and I've told you about another thing. Maybe you're, if you're married here, you've been bumping into your spouse. Don't look at their life and say, you know what, if they would do this, if they would do that, detach your feelings from your spouse's behavior and focus your heart upon being full of the Lord. One thing that Shannon and I have always made a, 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 a we kind of made a pact. No matter how heated an argument got. And I'll just, let me say this. If you are in a marriage and you never have any disagreements, it's not healthy. That means that one, one spouse is more dominant than the other and the other is scared to open their mouth or doesn't want to open their mouth because they don't care enough. Disagreements are okay. You want, you want there to be some disagreements. But, but... 
You can't allow it to fester and to, and to produce a bitter root in your life. One thing that we have agreed upon ever, when we first got married, we said this. No matter what happens, it's in our vows. No matter what happens, no matter how we feel, how life goes with us, divorce is just not going to be an option. It's just not an option. We never make it an option. We never make it a, you know what, this is the way out. There is no escape clause in our marriage. And I think that that's why marriages before us have been strong because we don't write in an escape clause you know what, everything's all good unless this, because you know what, this right here, I can get God's back up on this one. Don't do that. We just say, you know what, God forbid that ever happened because we're not going to ever plan on allowing that to happen. And we're going to work not to prevent that to happen. So it's not an option. For every couple in this room, don't make it an option. Don't make it an option. If you're not married you're soon to be married someday. Don't make that an option. Don't even think that that's going to be a possibility. You just absolutely X that out. It's not, a, it's not an option. Fill your heart full of the presence of God so that whenever you do bump, bump, bump into each other and things come out, you can ask for repentance. You can work things out and you can keep moving down the road the way God intended for you to, to move. We need strong families. We need strong homes. And it begins with strong relationships in the home. Strong moms, strong dads, strong grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles. We need it all in this world of decay. God's original plan is the, is the heart beats with the heart of the family. That's God's original design. Let's be people who display God's original design in this world around us. Let's bow our heads this morning. Praise the Lord. Father, I thank you for your presence that we felt here today. Lord, it's, it's a challenge today in this world as we see so many things that work against the design of, of what you created. And Father, there is not one person in this room who is not affected by variety of of circumstances, Lord, whether they grew up with it or they find themselves there now. And a lot of people question, Lord, how they could ever have a strong family. Maybe again. And Lord, right now, I just pray that, Lord, that you would just calm their heart. Guard their heart from doubt. Lord, don't let them look at their life, Lord, and the scars that they wear. Something that would prevent them from enjoying the best that you have for them. Father, I pray over those who are married. I pray that, God, that you would not allow the enemy, Lord, to come through the back door, the side door. But you would protect them. Put your hedge of protection around them. I pray for those, Lord, who are single in the room, Lord, who are not married and one day will be. Lord, they're looking for the love of their life. Lord, I pray that you would help them, Lord, to honor you, O Lord God, with their bodies. Lord, keep them, Lord, from from cheap flings and relationships. Lord God, steal instead instead of give, Lord, 
what you design marriage to be. Lord, I pray that, God, that they wouldn't, they wouldn't so cheaply sell themselves off. God, may they bring, Lord, the very best to their marriage and to their spouse. I pray for others, Lord God, who have been widowed or who have been divorced or they find themselves alone today. Lord, there is nothing that I can say that can stop, Lord, feelings of sometimes loneliness that they feel except to let them know that, Lord, that nothing can separate them from the love of God. Height, depth, no powers in heaven, no powers on, on earth. No, no scheme of Satan can separate them from God's love, from your love, Lord. And I pray more than anything they would experience that. Let their hearts be filled up, Lord. Let their scars, Lord, and their bruises, Lord God, be, be mended. And I pray that, oh God, that you would touch them, Lord, to look forward to what you have in store for them. I pray over every family here today, every child next door, every young person that's here under the sound of my voice. God, give us the strength, Lord, to have the strong families that I know that you desire for this culture. I pray a blessing, Lord God, over our homes, over the marriages, Lord God, over our children. Let this be a generation where the breakdown of the home begins to turn because, Lord, we, we want to see, Lord, you honored, Lord, in our homes. We praise you today and we thank you, Lord, for all of these families who are here. And we give you honor, Lord, from our lives and our relationships in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.